global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by American Arbitration Association International Trade or Business Dispute. Resolve faster with the International Center for Dispute Resolution, the leader in alternative dispute resolution around the world, ICDR.org. Allergan posting first quarter earnings that beat analyst estimates in the first financial report since its $160 billion proposed takeover by Pfizer collapsed in early April. It also said it'll buy back as much as $10 billion in stock. It shares up a 10 percent in early trading. Dean Foods, the largest U.S. milk processor, posted better than expected first quarter profit after costs declined and the company's Dairy Pure brand gained market share. The bearish sentiment that hit traders in the past two weeks is easing with U.S. stock index futures higher this morning amid a rebound in equity markets from Japan to Europe. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 7 points, Dow E-mini futures up 67, and NASDAQ E-mini futures up 11. DAX in Germany's up half percent. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.76 percent. NYMEX crude oil down a tenth of a percent or five cents to 43.39 a barrel. COMEX gold down a tenth of a percent or a dollar 60 to 12.65 an ounce. The euro a dollar 13.71. The yen 109.23. And GAP down almost 13 percent after reporting same store sales fell in April. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Yeah, thank you very much. We're talking with uh, Jim Swanson. He's chief investment strategist at MFS Investment Management. And, Tom, he has uh, got a lot of initials after his name. He's MBA, uh, PBK, and CFA. I knew that would get your attention. Uh, so we Mostly saved the, we, it's just Colgate. We, yeah. We saved the math for you, uh, the mathy part here of our, our conversation. We're talking about the Fed and how it's not going to make a whole lot of difference. Uh, it's earnings and free cash flow, he says, that we should watch. Yeah, well, Jim Swanson, what, what I'm interested in more than anything when I look at free cash flow is a manipulation of it by reducing CapEx. So if you get into trouble, it's easy for any good company to level out or drop down CapEx to goose free cash flow. Are you observing that? Is it a quality free cash flow? It It is because um, my argument throughout this whole cycle is that we're experiencing excess margins, margins that did not mean revert for this last six and three quarters. So I think you need to look at that as well. Margins have been a big contributor here. I agree it's been a CapEx light cycle as well, and we see that in the aging of everything from software to factories. They, the, everything is pretty close to an all-time old age, if you will, for the private infrastructure. Um, so it can be manipulated. But the fact that margins until this last two quarters have held up, and actually X Energy, they're still Agreed. kind of holding up. Well, so it's, I look at both, yeah. Within that, what should institutional investors do who need to allocate responsibly and they've got a prospectus mandate? Do they load the boat on a dividend-growing stocks, or is there a different path? I don't know that there's a – first of all, we do know that capital reinvestment is better for long-term growth of earnings and cash flow. That has, has shown up over time. So if you can identify – and it tends to be these big, large-cap companies yeah. – if you can identify the free cash flow growers, they're going to sustain their dividends. And in this world of yield scarcity, I think you tilt your portfolio toward them. Very good. James Swanson, thank you so much with MFS. Greatly appreciate it. We now digress. Joining us for the next three hours, Chuck David Todd of Meet the Press. He's a moderator. 
and we've got three hours he to discuss. He only has to do an hour on Meet the Press. We, he's only got to do an hour. He's got to do three hours with us. Chuck, I'm going to suggest the last three or four days have been arguably the most bizarre political days in modern political history. Uh, you had a back and forth with Mr. Trump uh, recently. Frame for us what the debate's going to be as we stagger to Meet the Press NBC Sunday morning. Well, uh, first of all, this coming week, there's not going to be a debate. Um, we are actually preempted for a uh, uh, for English Premier League. Thank well, that's a good sport. thing. The Green Bay Packers um, are not playing in that, folks. No, they've been not, relegated. They're not, they're not we already playing. know who they won. They would be relegated. They've been relegated. <laughs> um, but uh, it is, it's funny you say that, that these have been most, you know, I feel like that's been the case about every, about every two weeks, I think. Wow, these are really bizarre days. I don't know if we've had any bizarre days like this before, and then all of a sudden more bizarre days happen. Um, look, I think Donald Trump's feud with the Republican Party isn't over, right? That's what that's what we're in the middle of. Um, I think that influenced Trump's instincts on his tax plan when he started talking about it. I think that's influenced his instincts on, the, on, on what to say about uh, funding and what to say about Paul Ryan. So, look, I think, uh, you know, I this is a, a crucial week for Trump. Can he convince right. Brian to get on board? Can he find uh, enough donors to put together a competitive general election campaign? I'm skeptical of both. Chuck I don't Todd, know if he's okay. going to be able to win Brian. Driving the conversation forward, Michael McKee, this is what we heard. You know what? It's my opening statement, but everything is negotiable. I would suggest, Michael McKee, we never heard that from Tip O'Neill. <laughs> well, well, actually, Tip O'Neill would go over to the White House with a fifth of uh, bourbon and sit down with Ronald Reagan, and, and they would negotiate. Uh, they would talk. You don't see that in Washington anymore. But, uh, Chuck, the question that seems to the, the real bottom line question in Washington these days seems to be whether there will be a, the Republican Party we know today come mm-hmm. November. You've got some people who are betting on Trump and a lot of people who are not. What's the general feeling about where the party ends up? It seems as if everybody's making their own individual calculation with this with this in mind. I've noticed this pattern. If a Republican is running in 2016 and still faces a primary, or faces a really close election in a state that they think Trump's done well, that Trump's done well in, they're reluctantly they get on board. John McCain is a perfect example. Vulnerable in 16, nervous about Trump, has said he's going to support the nominee. Arizona's a state that obviously Trump did very well in, but at the same time, it fired up a lot of Hispanics. Then you have a whole bunch of, of Republicans, who I think Ryan's in this, in this camp, who are sitting there thinking the stain of Trump is going to be hard to wash away even, even if he loses. And, I, and the idea is people will be keeping score. Were you with them? Or, or did you try to fight the virus? Um, and I think that's that's why you see some people falling on one one side, some people falling in line right. on the other. Chuck Todd, Andrew Tobias, the Cleveland Plain Dealer this morning. Mr. Trump uh, leads the secretary uh, in Ohio. A new poll says everybody in the last 24 hours is all Rust Belt. You own, as you did before you were doing Meet the Press, mm-hmm. the minutia of polling. What is mm-hmm. the unique feature of Ohio that Mr. Trump has to discover to take Ohio? Well, look, I mean, Ohio's, you know, some argue it's a, it's four or five different states. 
you know, where he's got to do really well is basically on the uh, on the parts that border Pennsylvania and West Virginia, essentially, on the, on the sort of the east, the eastern and southeastern border. That's where he's got to run up the score. That's a lot of there's a little Appalachian there. There's a little coal miners in there. There's a little uh, a lot of white working class vote. That's where he has to, to to overperform. But I have to tell you, just be very careful of these polls that you see out this morning from from our mm-hmm. friend Quinnipiac. I take um, uh, these days. I use a bag of salt yeah. and I look at their numbers. Okay, but, but Mike, this is important. Athens, Ohio, we don't talk about enough. Mm-hmm. And whether it's Mr. Sanders, Mike McKee, or Mr. Trump, Athens, Ohio, is what's in play. Uh, I got to ask this, uh, Chuck. Uh, those who are supporting the nominee, and no, nobody ever mentions his name, but those in those uh, close states, does. It's so true. They're afraid of that. They're afraid of saying Kelly Ayotte yeah. was a classic. They don't want to utter the word. They, they be used in a TV ad. They want to protect their seats, but does anybody want Donald Trump to actually win? You know, there are some that do, and it goes to the first thing. Um, uh, that was said earlier during our chat here, which is the idea is everything is negotiable. There actually is some some folks on on Capitol Hill that are looking at that and going, you know what? We'll never have a president like that who actually will who actually probably does believe everything is negotiable, meaning everything is negotiable. It will it will it will. There are some that think that it will empower the legislative branch in ways we haven't seen before, because he is so because he doesn't have an ideological. Um, you know, some ideological uh, um, uh, issue that he clings to really other than trade, right? The only thing he's consistent on and seems to care the most about is is igniting a trade war with somebody or with multiple somebody. But but it's really on trade agreements is the only thing that there is um, consistency with him and and sort of what I would call um, uh, dogged, you know, some sort yeah. of dogged uh, ideological uh, belief. Everything else with him is negotiable. Hey, very quickly, 30 seconds, uh, unfortunately, is all we got. But um, if Bernie Sanders wins two primaries today, any way he peels off any of the superdelegates and actually makes this a race? Uh, he might peel off a handful of superdelegates, but the answer is no. I mean, there is – look, there's nervousness about Clinton as the nominee against Trump, but there's more nervousness about Sanders messing that up than there is of Clinton messing it up. Chuck Todd, thank you so much. He's the moderator of Meet the Press, NBC. You can uh, see it on NBC Sunday morning, hear it on Bloomberg Radio Sunday afternoon. Uh, uh, one, one of our most popular features are the Sunday uh, shows that we have on beginning at 11 a.m. Well, I get lots of comments on that. People 11 and 3. love to catch up on, uh, on all the Sunday shows. They don't get yeah. a chance to see them, and they can drive around or listen to them later in the day. Which reminds me of Bloomberg Best on the weekends on Bloomberg Television. is has immediately proved popular. Bloomberg Best, the best of what we have on television. Look for that, much like what we do on radio with Meet the Press. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. <laughs>